You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. So my recent writing news is that I have recovered one of my, I'll say classic texts. Uh, One of my early self-publishing books was the reprint of my Pratchett's Women essays. So it's been a while now. The original essays were written more than 10 years ago, actually. Uh, The book was first published by Fablecroft, and then after Fablecroft closed, I got the rights back and I published my own. Because it was one of my early self-publishing issues, I made the cover myself. And I can do a lot of things well, but I am not one of life's great cover, cover designers. So I decided, since this was one of my steady sellers, it would be nice to treat myself and the book to a new cover. Uh, You should be able to see the new cover pretty much anywhere where I sell books. It's Pratchett's Women by Tansy Rayner Roberts. It's 10 essays about the female characters of the Discworld, which is probably one of the fictional worlds that I know most about. Um, Possibly uh, only limited maybe the Doctor Who universe, but actually no, Discworld probably is pretty much top of the list. Very fond of the essays. If you read them originally on my blog, there is a, it's not new now, but there is one essay about Monstrous Regiment, which is, uh, was never published other than in this book. And the new cover is really cool because it's only 10 essays. It's still quite a slender volume. So it's, it's worth picking up if that's something you're interested in. And the new cover makes it very, very pretty as a gift item. If there's somebody in your life who is deeply obsessed with Granny Weatherwax, and let's face it, who isn't? Okay. That is my publishing news. Our current podcast serial is Musketeer Space. We are now at three episodes or chapters before we hit the halfway point of this massive epic. And I'll be giving us a bit of a breather with a new original serial to take a bit of a break from Musketeers. I know it's been nothing but breaks. My uh, podcasting schedule has been a bit erratic. I'm trying to do much better about that in 2022. So three more chapters, uh, give them a nice break, and then we're back a little bit later in the year for more Musketeers, because I do love them so. Musketeer Space, Chapter 29, The Husband of Athos. And I thought my ship was in bad shape, Aramis said sadly, looking at the crumpled heap of metal that remained of the Paris Riposte. Planchet had tracked the salvage code to a shipyard in the city of Amiens, north of the lake, with which Dana had recently become acquainted. "'What are you doing?' Dana asked, as Porthos climbed up on top of the nearest charging hub, planting her booted feet astride it. "'I'm noting all the drinking establishments that are visible from this yard,' said Porthos her eyes slowly sweeping the area from her new high vantage point. He wouldn't have walked any further than he had to. Grimaud was wounded, Dana said, feeling that someone had to defend Athos at this point. I'm sure the first thing Athos did after getting credit for salvage wasn't to buy a drink. Aramis and Porthos simply looked at her. Dana sighed. Fine, okay, but what makes you think he's nearby and still drunk? It's been a week. 
Porthos patted her arm as if she was a child. It's not that we're deliberately thinking the worst of him, Dana, but we know him really, really well. Spread out, take a street each, said Aramis, coughing Dana lightly across the back of her head. I hope he hasn't run out of credit. Athos should not have to deal with this planet sober. Hell, said Porthos, if we have to deal with Athos dealing with this planet, I don't want to be sober. Athos, being sober, was the last thing they had to worry about. Dana was assigned to the Rue de Souveray, which sounded far grander than the cobbled alley that it turned out to be. The surfaces in this city were cracked and uneven, another aspect of dirt-side life that Dana was glad she would never have to get used to. It was mid-afternoon in this time zone, with the sun already losing its enthusiasm for the day. The bars were not open yet, catering for the nightlife of Amiens. Dana did find a bakery that turned out to be not much help because they didn't serve wine, and then went further up the street only to discover a dance club. Athos would rather cut off his arm than drink there. Dana frowned, staring back down the street. To find Athos, she had to think like Athos. Where would he have chosen to drink? She returned down the sloping street to look more closely at the closed establishments. What about that pub down on the corner? It looked shabby and comfortable, the kind of place where people didn't ask questions about where your credit came from. It shouldn't be closed. A place like that got half its income from serving hearty lunches and letting customers linger at tables long into the afternoon. The Gilded Lily was scrawled on a sign that swung off an iron hook on the corner of the street. As Dana watched, two customers approached the doors and knocked. They shouted their protest through the door and eventually sloped off looking unhappy. Dana pressed her lips together. There was something going on. She headed down and knocked for herself, peering in through the glass panel, real glass, in the door. A man with a broom passed in front of the door and made a vague fuck-off gesture at Dana, then ignored her. She knocked again more forcefully. Finally, the landlord came to the door, holding his broom aggressively. Not open. Can't you read? Dana cupped her ear, pretending she could not hear him through the glass. He opened the heavy door about four inches. We're not bloody open, okay? Not today, not tomorrow at this rate. He paused, staring at Dana's jacket. Are you one of them? Dana had considered shoving her foot in the door to prevent him from slamming it in her face. But with the size of the landlord and the vibrating anger coming off him, that would be a good way to lose a foot. She backed up from the door. Am I one of what? You're a bloody musketeer! Dana squared her shoulders, tired of correcting the world. Yes, I am. I am a bloody musketeer. Thank earth and fire for that! He reached out and seized her, physically lifting her inside the pub. Get that sodden wine-soaked bastard out of my cellar before he destroys everything I have left. 
Ah, this was what professionals would call a clue. Wine-soaked bastard, Dana said innocently. The landlord shoved at her shoulder. Is yours, I, the maniac with the sword and the woman who looks like a good religious sort but is basically as bad as him? Tact was called for here. Tact and subtlety. Does the wine-soaked bastard have a beard? The landlord grabbed Dana around the arms again, propelling her across the floor. You have to get him out of here. I can't run a business like this. Can't even sleep, cause I keep expecting the arsing sot to set fire to my pub in his ravings. Get him out. Dana found herself facing a large, barred doorway. I can do that, she said. She should call in Aramis and Porthos. She knew that. And yet, she was the one who had left Athos on this planet. It was up to her to rescue him. The landlord wrenched the bar off the door. You'll be settling his bill before you leave, he growled. Consider it done, said Dana. She wasn't sure there was enough credit left. For that, even with the funds she'd received from both Treville and Buckingham, Porthos had been expensive and... Aramis insisted on leaving a generous donation to the Abbey as, as well as getting the Morning Star out of Hock. Can you tell me what happened? Church guards, the landlord said and spat on his own floor. Hammers. Never liked letting that sort in, especially in red uniforms spouting Paris accents. But when they give me orders, I know better than to do otherwise, you know? Dana didn't like the sound of this. Go on. Well, when your man came in, he was quiet enough, the kind who doesn't want anything to get between him and his glass. The lady wasn't any trouble either. But a couple of them churchies came in, shouting about how they'd caught him, claimed he was a credit fraud, and the governor himself wanted him in custody. Dana nodded grimly. It made sense they wouldn't have wanted to admit the real reason to arrest Athos. He turned fierce, and the lady too. They fought off the guards, killed them, right here on the floor, then barricaded themselves in my cellar. Sent word to the governor about it, expecting him to send some more men to dig the criminals out of my place. Dana looked from the door to the landlord. How long ago was this? Three, four days. And he's still down there? The governor didn't know nothing about it. Local enforcement took the bodies. No one wanted to claim them. They weren't churchies at all, turned out, let alone from Paris. The credit fraud they'd been talking about. He was arrested three provinces from here. So Athos, my friend, was innocent, Dana said. And you've kept him in prison down there. For days? Imprisoned? The landlord protested. I've tried to give him his damn freedom. I've offered it to him on a silver platter. But he and that engineer of his, they refused to come out. Tried to shoot me last time I put my head round the door. Ordered me to bar it closed. Dana did her best not to smirk. And uh, he's all right down there. Does he have access to food and medipatches? And the landlord turned a furious face upon her. Food? He has all my bloody printers, my stores, my wine, 
Can't open up without them. He's going to ruin me. Dana clapped him on the shoulder. Don't worry. I'm taking him home. Raving nutter he is. They go funny sometimes, you know, them who fight in the wars. It's not good for a person. Open the door, said Dana, stealing herself for the worst. I'm going in. The landlord obediently took the bar off with a loud creak. None of your shooting, he yelled down into the darkness. Brought a mate of yours, gonna take you home. There was a long silence. Then the bright white light of a pearl stunner flashed in the darkness. Dana ducked, going down to her knees. Don't trust you, little man, called Athos, his new aristocrat accent ringing out clearly from beneath them. The sound of his voice made Dana's stomach tighten. She felt exactly as she had looking upon Aramis's face for the first time, back at the Crevecoeur Abbey, and at Chantilly Station when she saw for herself that Porthos was alive. It was all going to be okay now. Athos, she yelled down the stairs, into the blackness within. What did we agree about you and Pearl Stunners? Stick to the sword. Maybe you won't hurt yourself. There was a silence and a soft choking sound. Is that D'Artagnan? She was glad it was dark so he wouldn't see the stupid smile that broke out across her face. You going to invite me into your creepy man cave or what? Come on down, Athos called out, faking the same cheerfulness. Mind the stairs in the dark. Don't want you breaking your fool neck. Grimaud took my last medipatch. But no one else, D'Artagnan. I don't trust anyone else. His voice trembled and it chilled Dana for a moment. He sounded far from okay. Close the door behind me, but don't bar it, she said softly to the landlord. I'll have him out within the hour, and all this will have been like a bad dream. Expensive fucking bad dream, muttered the landlord, but he did as she asked. Dana descended the stairs, her hand trailing along the wall to keep her steady. Have you been in the dark all this time, Athos? No lights down here. Didn't want to waste candles, said Athos. A light flared somewhere in the cellar, a flame in a genuine lantern. Kicking it old school, Dana said, looking past the yellow blaze of light to Athos's face. He looked like shit. What have you done to yourself? Athos raised a half-full wine bottle in an uneven salute. Gave myself too much time to think. Grimaud moved into the circle of yellow light, throwing a blanket off her own shoulders onto Athos's lap. And on that note, she said, her eyes holding Dana's for a brief moment, I'm going for a bath. I presume you can keep him from offing himself for an hour or so? I'll meet you outside. The NG stomped up the stairs. You, she called sharply to the landlord, just before the door shut behind her. Hot water, this is an emergency. Dana sank down on her knees beside Athos. She had to move a couple of empty bottles out of the way to sit down. Want to tell me what she meant by that? She was joking, he said. 
his hand still circling the neck of the bottle. She wanted to take it away from him, but even wrecked, his reflexes would be better than hers. I don't think she was, Dana sighed. She reached out an arm, giving Athos a rough hug around the neck. He smelled like sour wine and engine oil. He didn't shrug her away, but leaned into her neck, like he was actually willing to take comfort from her touch. Valor had broken him then. You came back, Athos sighed, half asleep. Someone had to save you from yourself. She shoved him with her hip. I told you I would. Porthos and Aramis are here too. We've been looking all over. Should I get them in here? No, not yet. He shuddered under her arm. Dana curled around him, her other hand smoothing over his until the tremble lessened. Athos, you're a mess. What's wrong? Can you tell me? They don't know. Never wanted them to know. How is there anything those two don't know about you? Athos shoved her away then. He rocked up on his heels, disappearing into the darkness, and stumbled back with another bottle. Not wine this time. It smelled like some kind of brandy when he uncapped it. When he collapsed, he pushed the lantern between them to keep Dana at a distance. They don't know that I'm not worth saving, he said, and necked the bottle. Dana resisted the urge to smack the bottle away. At this rate, getting him to drink himself unconscious might be the only way to drag him off this bloody planet. She considered her options. Porthos and Aramis were both capable of flying everyone home between them. There was no law that said she had to do this sober. Dana held out a hand for the bottle of brandy. Give, she ordered. Athos handed the bottle to her, and she took a deep swig. It had a smooth heat to it that warmed her all the way down. She couldn't remember when she'd last eaten anything. Bullshit, you're not worth saving, she added, and held on to the bottle for as long as she could, before Athos motioned for it back. I call double bullshit on that. You've been running towards the musketeers for your whole life, D'Artagnan. He sounded defeated. Arms outstretched. Haven't you noticed that the rest of us got here by running away from something? She let him take one swallow and dragged the bottle back for herself. What makes you special, Athos? What makes the demon you're running away from so much more dramatic than everyone else's? He made a noise, like a sob. She realised he was laughing, and that was actually worse. Dana had never heard him laugh like this before. She would be quite happy never to hear it again. I am worse, he said. You saw it. When the ship came down. Silver hair tussled over the back of a neck, bare feet on soft grass. The happy memory that made you sad, remembered Dana. My beloved husband, said Athos, sarcasm hovering around the word beloved, before I killed him. Dana handed him back the bottle of brandy. 
You know you don't get to leave the story there, right? He huffed out a long breath, his fingers curling and uncurling around the neck of the bottle. You're welcome to drink with me, but you're not entitled to anything else. Time to call in reinforcements. To contact Porthos and Aramis and Bonnie and Bazin and Planchet and gang up with them to drag Athos's sorry drunken carcass out of here. It was amazing Grimaud had lasted as long as she had in this cellar, without using the pearl stunner on him and dragging him out by his feet. But the words, My beloved husband hung in the air, and Dana knew, she knew that once, once they left this cellar, he would seal himself up again like a barrel. The mystery that was Athos had been nagging at Dana for a long time, and this revelation that there was a story from his past that even Aramis and Porthos did not know, that was too intriguing to be ignored. Selfish, but she wanted to know. So she drank. They drank together. Gulp after gulp, and Dana told him of the adventures he had missed, of Buck and the replacement diamonds and the mysterious Milord de Winter. As the brandy dipped low in the bottle, she confessed about Conrad, his disappearance, and the ominous conversation she had shared with Rosne Cho. Her voice broke as she repeated the words, I'm sorry, Buttercup, but you're not getting him back. Athos shrugged. Seriously? Dana howled at him, snatching back the bottle. That's all you've got. Either the lad went back to his wife, or his own meddling in politics got him killed. If you want sympathy, Aramis will hug you until the end of time. Porthos is good at tea and kindness. I don't give a fuck. Are you dead inside? Dana snarled. Athos gave her a thin smile. Basically. Because you killed your husband. A low blow. Not even that. He reached for the bottle. Dana held on to it stubbornly. Athos growled. I have no interest in epic love stories. Even yours, sweetness. How did you end up on that mountain, miserable out of your skin, the day that Aramis and Porthos rescued you? She challenged him. What happened to you on this planet? It didn't happen to me, Athos said. Tugging more forcefully on the bottle, Dana held on to it using all of her muscle to keep the brandy in her lap. It happened to someone else. Dana felt the cellar tilt around her. She was drunker than she had meant to be, and she wasn't sure about anything except that she was not going to let Athos swallow another mouthful. Who? Athos gave a last desperate lurch. Dana gripped the bottle harder. The glass cracked between their fingers, and the brandy leaked out over their boots. It happened to the Comte de la Fere. Athos snarled, barely noticing that the glass had slashed a bloody line into his palm. He's dead. And good riddance. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can uh, sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. 
And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Thank you.